0: Welcome to the So She Is podcast. I am your host, Katie Neri, and this podcast is your one-stop shop for all things manifestation, neuroscience, spiritual evolution, and how to tap into your infinite potential and live a life beyond your wildest dreams. I know that you clicking play today is no accident, and I am so grateful for you being here. With that said, let's get this party started. Hello, hello. It is so good to be back with you all and on this microphone. I am so happy and I'm so excited that we have an episode today. I have been a little bit absent within the podcasting game. I've been on a little hiatus, and it is for no other reason than I just didn't prioritize it or haven't been prioritizing it. And it's because building a business, growing a business, figuring out how to even run a business has consumed a lot of my energy. And I just have kind of allowed um, my resistance to podcasting just kind of take over because to sit down and like make a podcast, it does take a lot of like fun, creative flow, feminine energy, a little bit of masculine, but more of that feminine, like, ooh, what feels good? I want to do that. And that's just been a little bit missing in my life. And so I'm coming back to podcasting and I'm doing it in the form of interviews, I think. But also I want to bring those elements, the, that flow, that fun more into my day to day. So hopefully there will be some solo episodes through, throughout. But for right now, interviews feel phenomenal. And I think it's just because then it's like an engaged conversation versus me feeling the pressure to then like bring something that's going to serve all of us and be of value and not just be (laughs) me chatting to the computer for 30 minutes. And so... I'm really excited about today's episode. It is with Callie Klug, and I met her through one of my silent discos, and she actually made a really cute reel, and so I DM'd her like, oh my god, this reel is amazing. Thank you for making this content, basically, and she sent back some really sweet voice notes and like said, I made her cry at one of the points in the silent disco, and then she's like, you bitch for that, like, and... I instantly knew we were friends. Like, and she's like, oh shoot. Like she was all insecure that she said that. But like, I was like, oh no, that's how I, that's my love language. That's how I talk. Like no worries here. And from that moment, like we've just really connected, we've collabed on an event and I just could not speak highly enough of this woman. And she is a somatic healer. She is is a one-on-one coach and has programs all in the shadow work, in the healing space. She is a private yoga teacher. She is an embodiment coach. Like there's there's so much that she does, and I just can not speak highly enough of her. Like I already said, she is someone that I've only known for a small amount of time, but I feel like I've known for my lifetime, and those are just the best kind of people. And I am lucky enough to have Callie now be that person in my life. And so before we jump into the episode, I just want to give a couple little disclaimers. My voice is very scratchy in this episode. My coach, is, or <laughs> my fiance is the coach at Cal State Fullerton. And at the time I recorded this episode, I had almost completely lost my voice from screaming at her championship game, which she won. Um and it, my voice is better now it's still a little bit there but it's healing <laughs> but at the time of this recording my voice is shot so bear with me there And if you ever hear a dog barking, it is my dog Brooks. He just really wanted to be a part of the conversation. We actually were at Callie's apartment and sometimes when we're in new places, he gets a little extra protective and I forgot treats and I was very underprepared. And so Brooks was on guard and just wanted to join in on the combo. And so if you hear him, just know it's him saying hello, being a part of us. And I'm so excited for you guys to listen to this episode. Enjoy it, and I'll see you in the next one. Okay, so tell me how you got into doing private yoga and doing private lessons, because my interpretation of what yoga is, or even what going to a class is like, it I think of core power yoga. I think of a studio. I didn't even know that privates were an option until I met you. So how did you, how did that happen?
1: Yeah. So I did not know that was a thing either until my, uh, the business program I'm in, it talked about, honestly, it was talking about ways to make money as a yoga teacher. And for studio classes, you make like, I mean, it depends on the studio, but like 20 to 35 is kind of the top. And then some studios pay you more per person depending on the studio. But so like that doesn't really cut it. As a yoga teacher, if you're filling up your schedule with all these like $20 slots and you're just bing bonging all around your county or city or whatever. So private yoga, you get paid normally like quadruple that minimum. And I have always been more of like a one-on-one person anyway like group Mm. classes are scary like you probably know that in your in your um the so we are dances like it's takes a kind of like mood and a kind of mindset to present because you're really like it's kind of a performance
0: totally whereas
1: like one-on-one it's so much more it's also easier because you can please that person more in a group there's always like someone who's like I just didn't like that or like Mm. you know after it's and so uh yeah. Cool. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I love
0: that. And do you typically do like all types of yoga? I'm like pretty um like a yoga virgin. I don't know how else to really? say that. Like meaning I don't know the broad scale of all that yoga oh. has to offer. Like, so do you teach one type of class or is there
1: for private? Like I know there's like
0: tantra, yeah, or tantra. Oh
1: know. yeah. Um okay, so I teach it varies on the person. So like that's the thing about privates is like, it's completely tailored to the person's desires for doing yoga. So like, for example, I have clients who are really athletic and they like, just want to stretch. That's all they want to do. They're like, my doctor like, notice my mobility is not as good. And I just want to stretch. And like, basically it's prescribed to them by someone. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, they're not looking to like awaken their chakras or Uh like, or like connect to mother earth or anything like awaken their kundalini. They're just really physically like I want to get physical benefits. And so for them, I normally structure classes like more with the myofascial release balls or it's more of a recovery class. Mm. So yes, it's yoga, but it's like really more like stretching.
0: And let's say I wanted to awaken my kundalini. What does that look like?
1: Well, I am not a kundalini teacher, so I actually don't know because that's a really specific kind of yoga where the kundalini snakes at the bottom mm-hmm. of the spine like that yeah yeah
0: yeah i've heard of it i just yeah for those that were like kunda what
1: oh yeah <laughs> i was yeah. like oh. yeah yeah so it's like for anyone listening that doesn't know what kundalini is it's uh the kundalini energy is at the base of the spine and the idea is that it's two snakes there's like the the um the fire and the cold energy and they like go up it's like the um, the pharmacy symbol yeah yeah and it goes up to the top of the head. And then I, you feel great. you feel in line. I don't really know exactly what like the feeling in the body is for Kundalini, like being awakened. But a lot of times they do in Kundalini yoga, like breath work. And monster. yeah, I tried some
0: of the breath. I've done some of the breaths and stuff. But yeah,
1: nothing. How too did crazy. it go? It was, a pretty I was a while ago.
0: it was I remember I was really out of breath and it was a lot of core. Yeah. work. Like, yeah, right? it
1: it's hard. And it's like even there's ones where you just hold your arms up. And you're like pumping your belly. And like, even those, my arms are like, holy crap. Like my, <laughs> like my arms hurt. That's so awesome. Yeah.
0: And so you also do a lot of work with shadow work. Like you, I, I'm in your shadow work course. Yeah. You have, you promote that on social media. Now let's talk about shadow, like, okay. and what the shadow is and a little bit of 101, but I also really would love to dive deeper there.
1: Okay. So just shadow work in general like but
0: yeah like why would someone do shadow work
1: (laughs) so shadow work is basically like the spiritual name for trauma work so what shadow work is okay for everyone listening that doesn't know what shadow work is because i know you know what shadow work Mm -hmm. is so shadow work is basically there's different interpretations of it there's a lot actually and like depending on who you ask depending on who you ask they everyone has different definitions so i'm just gonna explain how i teach it so the way I teach it is like your shadow is that which resides in your unconscious and normally our unconscious is what like drives our life. So subconsciously or unconsciously, like choosing who our partner is or a job or like what we think we deserve and like basically determines our life choices, but it's not a conscious choice. So it's like really pulling that which is in the shadow, the unconscious into the conscious and then it's also kind of a form of parts work. So that's like one definition. And then another definition I work with is like the parts of us that we've rejected mm-hmm. growing up. So like, I'll just use me as an example, just to keep it literal. I grew up in a Christian home, right? So like being sexual or like sensual was not encouraged at all because that was seen as like dirty and sinful and like all the names, And so for me, that's a huge part of my shadow. So that's why like lately I've been doing the women's embodiment work, which is owning your sensuality and owning your pleasure and owning your sexual energy. And to me, that's shadow work because it's something that it's part of me that I've rejected. Mm. And so it's incorporating that. And then my thing is like embodiment work. So how do you then embody that in your in your body and in your choices and all of that? So.
0: Right. And yeah. rage is something that I've seen post a lot <laughs> yeah. about. And I think that ties in perfectly. Like sensuality is one aspect of the pendulum, but yeah. on the other side, there's this like massive amount of rage and like the <laughs> yeah. rage works. So what do you yeah. teach there?
1: Um. Okay. So I love talking about rage because I feel like it gets a really bad rap in the spiritual world. Mm-hmm. Cause like spirituality, like as a philosophy, like let's just say new age, I think that's like a lot of what people that our spiritual it's like new age spirituality essentially the philosophy and a lot of that is like love and light love and light love and light and good vibes vibes only only. yeah Yeah. (laughs) like like and I get it but also it's like that just isn't that's not how life is and it's also like biologically not helpful because Mm. we have mammalian nervous systems. And when a mammal or an animal with a mammalian nervous system experiences some kind of trauma, there's this, especially if you've gone into a frozen state, like a lot of people, like a lot of us are frozen. Mm -hmm. So when we go into a frozen state, I'm just going to use myself as an example. So I, in my childhood, I shrunk myself down and I made myself that's something really normal if you've grown up in a chaotic household to like get small and get still um tiptoeing around like that kind of stuff you kind of forget who you are or you maybe don't even know who you are because you're like trying to just make yourself so non-threatening so that's like that frozen state and then when you start to like wake up from that so like discovering like people pleasing less and I could go really into depth into this but you start to wake back up there's this like natural rage that comes and in the wild like that's meant for animals when they come out of the frozen state to be able to defend themselves like physically from an attacker but for humans like we're so conditioned and we live in a society where you can't just go like fucking people up like right (laughs) so like it comes out as rage and like a lot of anger and like a lot of times in the spiritual world if we're like, I've literally had people tell me like, you just need to forgive. That's like so fucking painful to hear when you're experiencing this very visceral and real rage that is normal and natural and healthy to have someone that you look up to saying you just need to forgive. Like, that's not how it works. You need to get it out and then you can forgive. Right. But like, you, they, there's this thing that's like, sometimes you need to get to the fuck off before you get to the, or the, the fuck you before the bless you.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. And so. with the, what is common to see in someone who's suppressed a lot of rage, like if someone's listening and <laughs> yeah. they're like, well, maybe that was me and my child. Maybe I did play small or maybe things happened to me that were fucked up, but I feel fine. I feel fine. I feel fine. Like yeah. I know for me, I w- I'm a chronic, I'm finer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so,
0: um, tapping into the rage, isn't something I could have probably had access to until I did the work to get there Mm -hmm. but let's say someone wanted to explore like how do would they know or how could they tap into their inner rage to then feel it right feel it to heal it type of vibe. yeah
1: yeah I love that um I would say if you feel like a lot of displaced rage like for example if like In public, you're always, like, really nice to people, and then you go home and you're complaining all the time. I, I, that's how I knew. I was like, God, I'm a, I'm an angry person, was because in public, I was always, like, so nice to people, and then I'd come home and complain to my boyfriend for five hours, and he's like, can you stop? Yeah, I mean, honestly,
0: (laughs) I've been there. Like, wow, that was so stupid. Like, all these things. (laughs) (laughs) No one would know why you felt that.
1: Yeah, right? Exactly. So, it's, like, complaining, um, like, misplaced rage where you're like really angry about one thing but it's like maybe that's not what you're mad about maybe it's just the rage inside you that's like leaking out
0: would you say like um, something that's typically smaller like let's say I hated the way I looked about my body or something of that nature and then let's say um, someone I love makes a comment about my clothes or something, something looking tight. I have no idea where this example is coming from. It's just, I'm just going with all my head. And let's say I explode. Would that be like a, a situation of that displaced rage of like, it's probably not that she said my clothes. It's like all the anger I have towards my body underneath.
1: I don't know. I honestly don't know. Cause there's always, you know, like we can be triggered by things, but it could be.
0: Right. So sometimes their triggers could be an indicator for rage. Yeah. Of where rage is hidden.
1: And also if there's like that much anger and rage, like normally there's a sign that there's a boundary that needs to be in place. Mm. So it's like, if that person said something, because I know I have an eating disorder. And so if someone's like comments on my weight or like certain things, like my clothes, how my clothes are fitting, that might trigger me. And it's not, it's not like the world needs to, turn around you and accommodate everything but it's like maybe with that person I need to be like you know I don't really appreciate comments like that Mm -hmm. because like rage is energy to change something for humans right because right? right. we're normally not going around killing our attackers left and right right so it's like and we're typically
0: not getting attacked in a in a physical sense, way yeah maybe
1: yeah yeah like an animal right so does that answer your question
0: yeah i, <laughs> I believe that does <laughs> do it uh, yeah okay.
1: let's see now i'm gonna ask you i'm gonna go like this is straight for the the gold here okay so in a previous conversation we've talked about like manifesting and how you're really interested in Well, you you know a lot about manifesting and you incorporate practices into your life about manifesting. And you mentioned one thing that really interested me. You talked about how you can manifest during sex Mm -hmm. and like, can you just talk more about that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So with, I like to call it orgasmic manifestation. And there's a lot of people who talk about sex magic and talk about things. And truthfully, like what I, share and what I talk about with this is my like culmination of all the things I've heard taken in and kind of just what's worked for me. And so the basis of sex magic or orgasmic manifestation is that first of all, like your womb space is like the portal into the spiritual world. Like it creates life itself. And so going off of that, if you can create life in your womb And the physical act of like your eggs dropping, your orgasm happening is to create life there. You can also create anything else that you'd like, like getting the dream car seems like nothing in comparison to getting, creating a physical human being inside of your womb. And so that is something that I learned in 2020. I was like, let me just practice this. And I was in corporate America at the time. And I ran home after hearing it on a podcast. And I was like, to my partner, I was like, we're trying this let's go now. Cause it was also quarantine. So there was like, you know, just home all the time. Like, why not try And that's really when I started my spiritual journey because I started implementing the things I was learning. And so I was like, let's try this. And I had this client in mind that I really wanted in corporate America. And I said the client's name. So we'll just say ABC company, Mm -hmm. ABC company or something better, ABC company or something better at the peak of the orgasm. And I came out of that session to an email that said, hello, we need your help ASAP. Like, and I ended up getting the deal (laughs) and I ended up getting the deal with everyone I did that with. And so it was the only proof I needed to believe it because I I mean, (laughs) I don't expect anyone to blindly believe anything and to try it. And so, and that, that's not how manifestation works. It's not always you blink and it shows up. There's a lot of beliefs and there's a lot of, there's the subconscious mind and the conscious mind. And there's a bridge mm-hmm. that needs to be formed. If there are things blocking that bridge, you yeah. are not going to get what you desire. For me, that client, there was a actual, there was a belief system and a bridge that existed to where I could have that come true. And it did, and it took a lot of work, but it did come true. Um, But the energetics behind it made me, fully buy-in to believe it. So then I just kept practicing it and kept mastering it. it. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad way to spend your quarantine. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so once I started getting clients, I was like, what's like, I, I think something about manifesting is if you can, if you get all the clients or sometimes it's better to go with the bigger picture. So if you are trying to call something in, sometimes it's better to go with the amount of money versus the client because or clients because if I I was trying to manifest to fifty thousand dollars I wanted my book of business to be fifty thousand dollars by the end of the year and by saying like what my practice started shifting from companies to then fifty thousand dollars or something better and I always say or something better because it leaves room for the universe to do her thing and like I don't I'm not all knowing so this Mm -hmm. or something better just leaves the gate open. Um, so I was saying $50,000 or something better, $50,000 or something better every time I tried and thinking it was for my book of business. Well on okay. I just realized I did not actually finish that thought because you say I went for Mm $50,000 because if I have a $50,000 book of business, I probably have every client that's gone through I like, you know, if you go for the big thing, Mm -hmm. it probably means everything else has happened. Since Mm -hmm. I had started getting clients, I believed I could get clients. Mm -hmm. So now it's like, okay, well, that seems like a lot of energy going one client at a time. Yeah. Let's go for the big picture of $50,000 and trust that whatever's supposed to come through will come through in that $50,000 by the end of the year. And so on Christmas, we were sitting around the table and I, we don't do, we do a lot of presents on my mom's side of the family, mm. but with my dad's side of the family, we don't really do any presents and they went around and passed out checks and what? I mean, they passed out cards, they passed oh, out cards shit. and <laughs> there was a check for $50,000 in my Christmas card. <laughs> and I knew it, I knew it was a manifestation. And the thing is, if I got my $50,000 book of business, there's no way I would have been in a place where I would have quit my job later that year, because should I have had build my book that big? It was, it was, I was about, I was pretty close. I was in (laughs) the forties. I was in the forties for my book of business, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't to the 50 and I knew like, I was like, Oh, like me, like, and then once I saw the check, I was like, wow. And the fact like that, my,
1: Oh, and that's when you quit, right?
0: I didn't quit right away, but I had that saved. So so when I talk about my quitting journey with corporate America, it's not, I mean, I had a great savings account and Mm -hmm. I had a lot of backup. And so it's not like, like that was ultimately like having a year's salary Mm -hmm. in the bank account invested too. like, I just invested it. I did not like keep it close. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't touch it is, (gasps) is like uncomparable to someone who's like, I want to quit my job, but I like, so I have a different journey with quitting my job, but that ultimately ended up happening and just flabbergasted me because I was like, this or something better. Like $50,000 in a check is so much better than 50 grand in a book of business because I would have got paid like a thousand bucks on that. Like that wouldn't have been that much in conversion. And so there is this big surrender to the something better that leaves room to like show up in ways that you would never even expect. And again, that's not to say that's going to happen for everybody. Like this is just my personal story. And I think the manifestation world gets so fluffy and so foggy and people get so caught up in the outcome and in the results. But like, truthfully, I've never learned anything from my success. I have only learned things from my failure. I mean, like, you know, you think about it, like Mm -hmm. you had the best week of your life. Like oh my God, like I got everything I wanted. Like in that moment, there's no learning, but it's in all like the tumbling and the failing in the rage in the shadow work where, where you grow and expand to a place where you can receive what you're like, what you're desiring. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that we live. Yes. We live in like a, the matrix are like, there's so many different layers here. Mm -hmm. We live, we are human or spiritual beings having a human experience. Mm -hmm. And in the human experience, there are material things and it is okay to want Mm -hmm. whatever the fuck you want. (laughs) Like if you want a designer handbag, if cars do it for you, if shoes do it for you, whatever does it for you, enjoy your fucking life. Like, I think there's so much stigma in the spiritual world of like, wow, you want material Mm -hmm. possessions. Like, Boo. Like, no, like I'm going to be spiritual and rich as fuck at the same time. And everything can coexist. And so, but with that in the manifestation there, like, just cause I had that happen, doesn't mean that it happened for someone else And there. There's so many ways these outcomes play out and there's so many timelines and so many different dimensions and so many different realities happening. Like everyone's journey is going to be different. And just cause they, you don't get a check doesn't mean that a check's not going to come one day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Cause so many people get, well, it didn't work for me. So it doesn't work. Like, mm-hmm. well, no, there's so many other <laughs> things going on within yourself, within your subconscious mind, within your current reality, within what's destined for you. Like, if you like, just, I believe what's desired by you is destined for you. That's why some people want to be a doctor and some people want to lead silent discos. And mm-hmm. so it's like, there's just different things. And so whatever is desired by you is destined for you. And if you can stay tapped into that, that's how the things show up. Mm -hmm. And money is something I do feel really attached to. So like, or not even attached to, it's just something that I feel like I really respect and I don't have a lot of like hate towards. And I think that's why like checks show up. And so often, sorry, this is kind of a tangent, but so often like with money, the only difference is between like, I think everything's a manifestation. So if you get a coupon that gets you $5 off, I think that's a $5 manifestation. Like I consider everything to be a result of your energy or even a parking spaces. So how could someone manifest parking spaces, but not money? Like, I truly believe there's no difference there except for the relationship you have to a parking space versus money. Mm -hmm. And we so often put money on a pedestal and we make it something that's unattainable or something that has like a chokehold on us Mm -hmm. where a parking space just happens to exist. But at the end of the day, if everything is energy and everything has a vibration to it, there's really no difference between the vibration of a parking space and money. It's just the relationship to it.
1: Yeah. Well, speaking of money too, I feel like a lot of us inherit like really shitty Mm -hmm. beliefs around money. Like I know for me growing up, I grew up in like upper middle class household, but like we were never struggling but my I remember my dad coming home and being so tired from a job and seeming really unhappy and being like this is what I do to like pay for everything you know I have to do this to sacrifice and I remember being like like are I I don't know I was like are we about to like lose the house because you're acting like we're it was like so desperate right you know and then I inherit because we inherit what you know, we're <laughs> totally. So, and then I inherited these, like, this scarcity thinking and this fear of work has to suck. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I have to uh, sweat for it, cry for it, be in pain for it to get money. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think that's something too, is we all inherit these, like, normally not super great beliefs oh, t- and like society
0: too like it's not yeah. only it's yeah right. it's, like and you can be sheltered from so much but like like society still exists and still pushes mm-hmm. its agenda across and my dad has like I would say the same thing like upper middle class but Always working, always on the phone, like that over everything. Never took a vacation. Like the vacation, he was still working, and it was like you can have anything you want if you work hard and you die. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, okay, you kill yourself sure.
1: On your job, and like, I
0: honestly thought I'd be yeah. in sales forever because that's what my dad did, and he was successful. Yeah. Yeah. And like I thought I'd be good at it too because I was told I'd be good at it, and I would. I was good at it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. There's no. I just wasn't what I. Real. I just realized like if I was sitting at a table for dinner with the top of the entire company like would that feel good like would that feel successful and I was like no like all of these people are little children like just just death like just so hungry for more money and they're the top of the top and no one's satisfied and everyone complains about everything and I was like I would hate to be at that dinner table and like that's another thing where I was like I don't think this is really aligned for me I think this is something that was I was just conditioned to believe is what success is. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that's like a huge thing too, is we're also given this like ideal of what success is, you know, having a normally, Heterosexual partner that we have children mm-hmm. with, and then we have a golden retriever with a white picket fence, and, and then
0: two ki- and a half
1: kids, and, and, two, <laughs> and yeah, one and a half kids per the the standard yeah. of the United States. That's the version of success that we're all told that we should have, and blah 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 blah. But it's like I think learning what that means for you, because like I I'm a business student, so when I was in school. There's was this weird crossover in my life when I was going to business school or going to school for international business with all these business bros who are mm-hmm. a certain kind of person, the business bros. And then also doing privates for extremely wealthy people. And I kind of like got into the matrix thinking of, I want to own a house, a giant big house and have all these cars and like be super rich. And like, there's nothing wrong with that, but For me, it's like, it kind of wasn't helpful because it's what I really want. Like when I do the manifestation meditations of like, what's your ideal day? It's like being in nature. Like I don't need, personally, I don't need a huge house. Like Mm -hmm. that's not one of my main desires. Like being with Oliver, teaching yoga, stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I think that's so important (laughs) to get really clear on like what a rich life is. Yeah, yeah. And so often we seek. like these things because we think they'll make us feel a certain type of way mm-hmm. when reality like or in reality we can just if we can tap into that feeling of what we think we might find out that it is just hanging out at the beach mm-hmm. or you know like yeah, it is like, yeah. walk, walking in nature having access to things for me like I know that money equals freedom yeah totally. to do things and so I trust that it will come but in my perfect day I'm not grinding I'm not mm-hmm. selling insurance I'm not with the business bros, Mm -hmm. I, my wealthy life looks different than that. And then trusting that you can make money in ways that are not necessarily like taught in school or the ways that aren't conventional. And I mean, this is just something that came up recently this weekend, but when I, my sister, (laughs) my, my sister was pregnant and my grandma does a product owns a production company and in this production company, they run a, a rodeo in Las Vegas. And so there, they literally have someone that they pay a thousand dollars a day to be there for two minutes of work. And what he is, is he's a crowd plant. So he was he was sitting in the crowd, and then the camera would go to him, and he'd go crazy to get the crowd hyped up. And he was there five days of the rodeo, so that's five thousand dollars for about ten minutes of work. And like, there's just so many things that are available to us that like we don't even know. But if you're creative enough to, and brave enough to tap into it, there's a market for it. I like that's my perfect example of that. Like, and people yeah. people need a crowd and energy. Energy's everything, as we know. Yeah. But it, it made the whole difference the nights he was there versus the nights he wasn't there because he would take off all his shirt like he just did the silliest stuff and he yeah. works for the raider he works for all uh, las vegas sporting that's his events job? his job is literally a crowd plant and i bet he makes great money because yeah. there's so many games and people start to know him and follow him and want to be when he's there because he's so silly and like it's available to you like honestly wow. if you believe it's available to you it is because look at him
1: that's gnarly well, I remember that kind of reminds me of like when I first started teaching private yoga and I would tell, I remember I told someone my rate and they were like, that's just ridiculous because they thought it was really expensive because they were like showing how they almost like borderline disgust of like how much I was making for a private yoga session, which I think my rate is reasonable and that's why I charge it. And that just kind of showed me more of like what that person believes is possible to make in an hour because if you're not believing in in I don't know. And also, I think it's a generational thing. Cause like when I graduated college and people asked me, Oh, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm a yoga teacher. Like the boomers fucking had a hard time. <laughs> like, their international business. It degree. Took, yeah. I took everything in them not to just like fall over and die right there. <laughs> Cause they were like, They were like, You're, are you kidding me? You could work for the city. And I'm like, The city? Yeah. I'm like, oh. So yeah, I mean, it's just like, like you said, people, especially now with the internet, you can make money doing literally anything. Right,
0: as long as you're open <laughs> enough to receive it. Yeah,
1: and there is so many people
0: who feel that way, like that whatever you charge per out, but like mm-hmm. it, it's totally like everybody has their limit of like what is possible, and so yeah, and like you look probably are like no, I'm like not low end, but I'm like right there. Yeah, I'm like it's a reasonable. Like-, like there's people who probably make triple what you yeah for one session yeah. like and it's just all what's believable
1: and and like I on that note too like I don't work with people anymore that I feel like I have to claw the money out of their hands because it's like energetically that money doesn't do as much for me as someone who just like I have clients where I go to their house and they pay me right away and it's like there's like almost no talk of money not that you shouldn't Talk about it, but they just give me the money right there. Or, like, I have clients that we finish and they just pay me right away. Thank you so much. Or, oh, I can't make it today. I'm going to send you the money anyway. And it's like easy. It's the clients that are like, oh, well, can I have a discount? I had one guy who had a shark tank in his living room and he tried to get, like, he lived on the beach and he tried to get a discount with a shark tank. With a shark tank. He had a shark tank in his, and he had a fridge full of Fiji water or. i was like i think you can afford me like so i don't work for people like that anymore like if they're like oh can i have a discount it's like no actually i'm not available anymore right because like what you're gonna pay me does is gonna be way more work for me than Mm -hmm. a client that's like happy to do you know what i mean do you feel that too like i don't know if you've had that experience yet with your like clients not necessarily
0: like my business where I'm at right now I think when I start working more one-on-one with people too like I think that might show up in when I was in corporate America there I mean insurance is so expensive and I was like business to business so I was a broker for selling like providing insurance for other businesses like the middleman I wasn't like Mm -hmm. I wasn't like State Farm (laughs) but I was like the one that like would talk to I'd be the middleman yeah and There were so many people like that was the energy of all insurance. And the problem with it was like
1: a tight fist energy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because they're like, how is it this expensive? But the difference is with insurance. I was like, I don't know, guys, this is fucking stupid. Like, that's what I knew I had to go because
1: like when people would complain about the pricing and I would agree, (laughs)
0: like, and I'm making money on it. Like the more expensive it is, the more money I make. And I'm like, yeah, guys, this is the best I could do. Like, cause yeah. they have all these fixed rates and like, right, like all right. the things. Um, <laughs> yeah, that is, um, there's just so many things with pricing like that. And it all goes back to what I said before with the conscious and subconscious mind and the bridge that has to be mm-hmm. formed. And so for someone to like make more money, like if there, there's actually something called the lead, like the ladder of believability. So like, let's say you want to make a million dollars in a year, but let's say you're making, thousand dollars a month, let's say, well, to make a million dollars a year, I think you have to make close to $18,000 a month, something like that. I recently, I did this in my head, but so with this ladder of believability, you would where you are right now, where's the first place you can step, would it be $5,000 a month? And so then that would be your first step. You need to get to your million dollars. So million dollars is your goal, but really it would be 5k months. That's your goal. And then once you get there, could you jump to ten, or does ten? You want to stretch a little bit, but you don't want to stretch too far, where you like bounce out. Like, mm. like that's not possible. So maybe it's seven thousand, and then once you get to seven thousand, maybe you could jump up to like twelve, mm. and then like once you keep seeing it's possible, you can climb this ladder of believability, and then soon, before you know it, you'll be at these eighteen k months, or like twenty k months, or hundred k months. Like there's people who do it, but you when you're starting. And it feels so far-fetched or even if you want to raise your prices, Mm -hmm. maybe you do it for $5 and you climb that ladder of believability until there is that bridge of the subconscious and conscious mind that can can form because you can't do it overnight and you can't just like do one hypnosis and be good. You can't Mm -hmm. do one subliminal and be good. You can't do it's constant, constant, constant work, but it's also trust that's built and a foundation that's built. And that's why this like ladder of believability helps this bridge form.
1: Mm -hmm. And like, that makes sense too. Cause like on the level of the nervous system, we can't even go from like, we'd explode. Like I, even I, when I go like level up, like you're saying, I do the ladder mm-hmm. and I like go from one thing to the next. There's like quite often a snapback for me. Oh, new levels, where, new
0: devils. <laughs> yeah. Where
1: I'm like, I'm having this high and I'm like, selling new stuff and I'm like hitting new, new goals or whatever. And then all of a sudden I'm like sick or I'm like, feel like I don't have energy. And it's like, that's just the nervous system, like finding that expansion and like, kind of just to bring it back to like what I was talking about at the beginning. If you grew up in a, in a home where you had to make yourself small, like you are used to being small and everything you're talking about with manifesting, that's all expansion. Mm-hmm. And it's like the ladder you're talking about is really probably practical because we can't go from like constantly shrinking and contraction to expanding that fast without like having a major snapback or like feeling like we're literally dying, you know?
0: Right. And that's also why I truly oh. like believe like if someone's like, well, oh, can you manifest um winning the lottery? Mm-hmm. And it's like. Sure. Yeah. But you will go broke instantly. And why do you think yeah. all those people go they broke do instantly? Go broke. It is because their nervous system and their bridge and their ladder was not built on a foundation that could support that level of expansion. And that is why there's the snapback. There's the broke in literally like a year because yeah. they their nervous system physically cannot handle it. They go crazy. They often have mental illness. And there's so much that goes on because of this instant expansion and that's why it's like sure if you want that then you could try to manifest Mm -hmm. winning the like millions but at the end of the day like
1: how would that really serve how would it serve you because it's gonna and that's if you don't know what it takes
0: to get there yeah
1: yeah and like for anyone listening like uh, there's a, a lot of statistics that support exactly what you're saying like most of the people that win the lottery they are like back to where they were within like one to two years because Mm -hmm. they don't know how to manage the money probably their nervous systems can't handle it like you're saying with the bridge and the ladder they haven't done the work to actually hold that much money right and so yeah it's just like this giant implosion so
0: and it sounds a lot easier but at the end of the day to have 10 million dollars and lose it all seems a lot worse than doing a couple like Breath work session like you know expanding yourself naturally and organically
1: oh my god that would be horrible right yeah let's talk about um because lately I've been focusing on I've been researching somatic experiencing which is essentially like bottom-up processing so it's understanding that we have this mammalian nervous system that holds trauma in, a, in the same way as animals and so it utilizes some of those techniques that animals use to process trauma on the level of the body and what you do like leading the silent discos and the aesthetic dance is basically one of those practices like Mm -hmm. shaking and and tribal dance too I know has been linked to a lot of healing because it's like it's just primal movement so Mm -hmm. how about you talk more on that yeah and so
0: there I mean there's a lot of really great resources, like the body keeps score. And there's just so many different ways that trauma is held in the body. And I know you're super into breath work. Well, I used to have like literally something like thoracic outlet syndrome, like crazy things in my neck until I started doing breath work. Literally like I I would have purple hands all day, but then once I started doing breath work, it was, it's, healed it but I know that when I feel stress I feel anything it is so in my neck it is in my jaw it is held, and in those ways that we hold it whether we feel it or not our body holds on and our body remembers the trauma and movement is a amazing way to move, to literally move the energy out because energy can't be created or destroyed there but it it'll just stay put unless it's literally transmuted in a way. And so what I do with the discos is I facilitate the whole thing and use certain cues to try to help facilitate moving that out. So like you said, with the shaking, like I love to shake multiple times throughout it, but what shaking does is like, if you you think of animals and we think about how the gazelle, let's say the gazelle runs and, escapes the lion and then I'm pretty sure it just like lays there like for a second and then once it's in the clear and wakes back up, gets out of freeze, it shakes and it shakes because gazelles don't go to 10 years of therapy. Gazelles just shake the trauma out to forget and move on because it cannot hold them back or else they won't be able to survive if they're scared. Where humans, there's so much like we we just move on. We think we have to get past it. And shaking is an instant way. To one, clear out stagnant energy. Like so, if you're not feeling hot, like if you're feeling very bored in your body, you're feeling like you want to scroll on Instagram. Turning on like just one song, it could be even a two minutes song. Putting your headphones on and cranking it up as high as you can, and just shaking every single part of your body will release more and do more for you than, like literally, I like it is such a game changer in my day to day. Like when I'm feeling so stuck, when I'm feeling so heavy, and then shaking it out is such a great 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 practice and then also incorporating rage like I love doing something called Mm -hmm. rage dancing and with rage dancing you can do the shaking and you can just like attack your couch like literally just beat the shit out of it and like allow yourself that space like I know you talk about like a controlled tantrum Mm -hmm. is that what it is how are you going to that because I feel like I'm kind of like talking about similar things
1: yeah well like kind of to go off of what you're saying too like it's great to do these practices for repressed feelings like um like you said like we like the gazelle gazelle um like shakes and and all this has this immediate reaction humans were so conditioned that we when someone when we experience some kind of trauma we normally go into freeze which is normal that's what the gazelle goes into too but then instead of after that that spark of rage or that spark of energy where we shake it out we just we're so conditioned and we're so polite that we just swallow it down and you know say oh it's fine I'm fine and then like you said we go to therapy for 10 years because we like feel like shit after that so I think it's good to go back to that event or if you have like um, complex PTSD where it was like an ongoing trauma to like access those emotions that are stored and somehow find a way to get them out like through the rage dance or controlled tantrum but I think what's even better is like you're saying like learning to use these practices as things come up Mm -hmm. like to me that's that's the goal because like even not too long ago I had something where something happened and I was like fucking livid And I put on some, I have a rage playlist. So Mm -hmm. I put on my rage playlist and I just like danced up and down and I was like making sounds and I was in the car and I was screaming in the car. And normally when something like that happens, I would complain about it for like five months because that's just what I do. (laughs) I just, you know, don't react to it and complain forever. But I ended up just kind of feeling not supercharged about it after. Cause I, I let it out. And so I feel like that's the goal. And with the controlled tantrum, I think it's kind of similar to what you're saying, right? The rage dance. It's like, it's pretty much the same thing, actually. I mean, it's like any kind of it's breath movement. Sound is the recipe and it's moving in a way like it helps to listen to music that connects you to rage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then moving in a way that feels good, making sounds that feel good and, and breathing, which sounds like a given, but it's not like we hold our breaths a lot. Right.
0: And I feel like with just going back to the silent discos and stuff, and I know we're talking about a little bit more specifically, like, it's not like when you come to silent disco, we Punch pillows or anything. Mm-hmm. There is sometimes uh, songs that I'll do rage dances to, and they're just whatever. And, you know, sometimes I'll open the microphone up and like say fuck you to whatever you want to say yeah. fuck you to. Like we'll allow space for that. But there's also something about moving in a way that you don't normally move that is so healing and is an expander and isn't something that opens you up. And when you can dance in public and that's kind of uncomfortable for a <laughs> Not kind of. People have shown up and said, I am so like shaking, like they're nervous to be there. But then that connection with the community, that connection with Mother Nature, that connection to yourself, because the headphones make it an internal journey. But when you open your eyes, it's also an external journey that you're going through with 10 to 50 other people around you. And there's something about that and that space that's created that is like almost like a group therapy session that I think we will see more of in like a group healing space. And it's probably similar to a yoga class, but a little bit, there's just no direction. Like there's more freedom and it's just a perfect way to have an outlet that you can use as a resource, you know, like Mm -hmm. there's just, there's so many tools to keep in your toolbox. So the rage dance, that's kind of something that's very personal and private Mm -hmm. and should be done alone. I would say. Like, I think, cause you think you'd hold back if someone else is in the room, mm. but then just for like life, there is that beautiful blessing that comes with community and sharing an experience with a community. That's nonverbal, like that. You don't have to talk about that. You don't have to say like, hi, I'm Callie. Hi, I'm Katie. Like there's no introduction. You just can understand each other through movement and everyone can have their own experience. And there's just something so magical about movement. That's even hard to like put the right words in. But I think even if someone doesn't live in California and is listening, like there's something that you can do and you can put your headphones on, pick a playlist and hit shuffle. It's kind of like a tarot, tarot card dance or a prayer dance. You could even call it whatever feels good. You can call it anything you want. And then you just push play and you trust that the first three songs are going to give you exactly what you need and you just dance to them and that is something that you can have access to in your room you can do it a beach dance you can do it at a park it can be done literally anywhere but it's a way to cultivate that inner wisdom connect connect back to your body connect to source spirit whatever something greater than yourself by trusting that the music that plays is going to be what is meant for you and There's just so many tools out there that it's almost easy to forget like how much movement can help, even if it's yoga, even if it's going on a run, even if it's going on a walk, even if it's just smiling at someone that walks by in the grocery store, like there's so much going on. It's so noisy that coming back to yourself, coming back to the body, coming back to the basics is just so clutch like i don't know a better word like it's so clutch for yourself for healing for remembering like even if you're not the most spiritual person or you're like you know i don't really care i'm i like my nine to five i like this i like that but like i don't feel like i'm thriving a way to thrive is to go back to the basics go back to the mammal nervous system like what made mammals survive this long and how can i tap into that how can human connection help me like and there's just there's so many fun resources that can get washed out by quantum leaping and mm-hmm. all these hard things and healing can be really simple actually mm-hmm. it's complex but simple
1: yeah that's a good way to put it i honestly don't know when we started so i don't know how long and how goes. many
0: breaks we've taken
1: yeah i like in total it I feels have like
0: we were probably like around
1: 40 minutes time.
0: i was gonna say 40 to 45 yeah i think so
1: so maybe so I should we more. start to close it out? Yeah. I like don't even know. We talked about <laughs> so Yeah, I bought this. Like so. out. <laughs> <laughs> just with the barking and then I was and Like, oh my God. Um okay, so now we're gonna move to the lightning round questions.
0: Oh
1: <laughs> so um number one is what advice would you give your 13-year-old self?
0: Mm, that's such a good question. I think I would just look her in the eyes and say, fuck it. (laughs) Do anything that lights you up and do not let a single person try to steer you on a path that doesn't feel good to you. And remember that you can say no to anyone at any time. Remember that you are worth everything and anything you feel is valid and true to you and probably you should start (laughs) it's shaking and going to therapy earlier (laughs) I don't know my 13 year old self I feel like that was the brink of shifting a lot like there was a lot of shifts and a lot of um shaping and trying to mold i really wanted to be cool i really wanted to fit into boxes so i feel like that's where that fuck it and like don't care and then i think about how 13 then shifts into high school and my high school experience with like sports and certain things that happen with my parents that were like mega boundary crossings and like just things that just happen Mm -hmm. that's like fuck it like it doesn't really matter just remember your worth and like it's okay it's okay to be mad it's okay to feel things like anything you're feeling is valid because I think that's where we learn to stuff a lot like mm-hmm. I don't even think it's necessary childhood at that point I think that teenager gets a lot of suppression because not only are they trying to be cool and in school too yeah like you're trying to be cool in school like you're trying to fit in but then you also have all these things happening that make you like in your hormones and you're like what is going on that you just if you don't like zone out you can bust. like honestly I like, yeah like, and so <laughs> I feel like I just give her actually a hug
1: yeah and say
0: fuck it like we'll get we'll get here when we get here yeah you
1: kind of like, have
0: to just like I don't know I feel like she would have resonated with fuck do
1: really yeah because she
0: cool. she I mean I've always been very free-spirited but I started to like lose that in the molding yeah started to like speak less a little like yeah, yeah. Shrunk, I shrunk definitely more as I got older like mm. I, I was a mate like I wanted to be an actress and an actress only like when I was a kid like oh my gosh tr- like uh, like just I was like I changed my name to Rainbow Neary, like, in fifth grade. Like, there's so many things I did that, like, it wasn't, like, that girl got lost at 13. Rainbow got lost at 13. And so that's why I just, like, we want to look at that 13. And we're like, fuck it. Whatever happens, it's okay. Because look at where we are now, right? Oh,
1: my gosh. Yeah, 13's a fucking hard age. I had a name for myself, too. It was Lola. (laughs) Oh, I love that. that. (laughs) But, yeah, it's funny how we, like... And was that, like, who you wanted to be? Like, oh, you're, like...
0: She was everything. Yeah, yeah like, yeah,
1: she, yeah, like, the version of yourself that you wish you had the courage to be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, a,
0: I even yeah. wrote it on my papers at school. Like, I just oh decided, God, like, that's that's so that, thank God I had a cool fifth grade teacher. Yeah. Because she let it happen. That's so
1: cute. <laughs> that's so cute. I love that. All right, what's the next question? Okay, so the next one is, what is the... What in your opinion is the single most um hold on let me say that again. Can I see it? I literally forgot how I yeah, I already it. forgot what it no. Thank you. Okay. What in your opinion is the single most important thing for collective healing?
0: Mm. I think just remembering that l- love is the only thing that can heal. Like you you can't There's this beautiful quote, and I can never remember it, but it's like, hate can't beat hate, only love can do that. Whatever that quote is, I literally feel that because you can never hate something into creation. Mm -hmm. Like if we think about it, like when we're born, it's literally the masculine and feminine energies, like being loved into existence, like, and you are loved into existence. And then, and then we forget, and then we hate, and then we have all these oppressions and horrible things that happen due to hate and we could try to beat it with hate but the only thing that will ever cure anything is loving it
1: Mm. nice thanks (laughs) and finally what is your favorite or most powerful affirmation
0: Mm. I feel like I have so many that the first one that just comes to my mind is my success is ine- inevitable mm-hmm. because I think just like if, if, it's inevitable and if it's already done, what's the stress? Like, I mean, like mm-hmm. if, if it's, it's going to happen, if it's desired by me, it's destined for me and my success is inevitable. Like, because whatever success means to you, then fits into that affirmation. It doesn't have to be money. It doesn't have to be anything like whatever success looks like to you. It's inevitable. Mm-hmm. It's ready for you
1: what does that do for you when you repeat that?
0: I think it calms my nervous system because I get very stressed. I get.
1: I was just gonna ask. I was like are you type A?
0: I get very like it's not even like I'm type A because I'm kind of a disaster like in an ADHD (laughs) sense but
1: like perfectionism or like
0: I just really like things to be good. Yeah like things like that are like just like like it's like a like overthinking it to a point of exhaustion mm-hmm. and like almost unproductive overthinking, like that my success is inevitable. Like I don't have to know how it's going to happen. Like I can release the how, like I can just trust that knowing and wanting is enough. Mm-hmm. I don't need to n- know the details of how we're going to get there. Because I, kn- If you desire something, it will come to you, just never in the way you expect it to. Mm-hmm. Going back to that $50,000 check, going back to quite literally anything that's ever played out, the how is never the way you want it to be or how you expect it to be. It's that or something better, right? Like, mm-hmm. so trusting that really just um, brings me back into the present moment because I can get up in my head and just play out every scenario that could mm-hmm. go wrong. And then, <laughs> like I mean, you have one bad disco, out. one disco with like less people. say so I should probably work for DoorDash. And yeah. then I was driving here and I was like, I could never work for DoorDash. Like, I don't even know where this apartment is. <laughs> I struggle with the directions but you know my head does go there so then
1: yeah that affirmation
0: helps me just bring back down to truth like capital t truth not like my
1: truth yeah yeah just like yeah like your destiny is you'll be fine
0: yeah Yeah. and you always are fine
1: yeah we always have you ever not been
0: fine no (laughs) literally
1: I've been broke broke before like after traveling and I've been fine
0: like everything always works yeah yeah and it's just like we just so often forget that yeah okay, your turn for the lightning oh bolt question round. <laughs> what advice would you give your 13 year old self?
1: okay so um I don't think she would believe anything I would say to her <laughs> like genuinely like you when you were saying all the things you would say and like that's so beautiful and like my 13 year old self would be like like she went to the church like she oh she thought she heard all the stuff like. Oh mom health coach like she knew all the isms Mm. but i think she needed also a good dose of a fuck you Mm. but she didn't she can't say it she didn't have the capacity for that so i think i would just give her a hug and be like i'm so sorry like this fucking sucks yeah like i had a hard time at 13 and i'm like really experiencing not experiencing that again but I'm doing a lot of inner teenager work right now because I just lost my dog that I got at 13 oh so it's like I've been thinking about her a lot you know (laughs) and I used to be so embarrassed of her and now I just I feel bad for her like she just was in a fucking bad spot you know Mm. so I just give her a hug and be like I'm so sorry. I think I would just hug her and and tell her like I see you and like this sucks. Right. And, like you're doing the best you can. Totally. And, like, yeah, That's I love it. that. Yeah.
0: Okay. What is the single most important thing for collective healing?
1: <laughs> I created that question. <laughs> I, that. I have no idea. Um, for collective healing, I think just getting your shit together taking care of your own shit like everyone wants to blame everyone Mm -hmm. like truly like look open any app you know like it's all blaming and like I'm treading lightly here because like of course some of us are true victims to certain things Mm. like yes like I just said like my 13 year old self like she was a true victim of certain things and also like at some point you have to just realize like I have to keep my shit on my side of the fence and like you it doesn't stay there like you're keeping your garbage like in your yard it's gonna leak out into other people's spaces if you don't like do anything like if you could just keep piling garbage bags up in your yard it's like that's that's gonna stink mm-hmm. you know so I think just just healing yourself like that will first of all help you and it'll affect everyone in your inner circle of -hmm. friends and family and then it affects all of their you know so there's a a huge ripple effect of just healing yourself because ultimately like that's the only thing you can really control like and already that is hard to do like in Louise Hayes she talks about like, don't even dare trying to try to get someone else to heal their stuff. Because yeah. she's like, "How hard was it for you to open this book and read it? Like right. that alone takes so much willpower just for ourselves. So it's like we can't, you know, drag anyone with us. Like we all just have to as, much as, to. as much as we oh, want to. Oh, I'm like, such so a victim to like. Come on. Yeah, me too. Me too. Like, and that's a big lesson for me as of late is just learning like. I can't change people and like stop trying stop wishing people were different and just cut the cord Mm -hmm. which sucks but it's like cut
0: the cord and also just like send love to them like I said like love is the only thing
1: and and it's like there's that saying too like boundaries are the space where I can love me and love you at the same mm -hmm. time so it's like cutting the cord or whatever and being like this i can't do this anymore but, but yeah maybe like also post-rage sending them love like totally. if rage like get it stand. out and
0: then send, like yeah like the yeah. fuck you then bless you like vibe like
1: yeah because there's no like point in in staying in the i mean honestly if you move through the rage effectively it's pretty chill on the other side totally so
0: okay last question what's your favorite most powerful <laughs> affirmation
1: um i would say i can do hard things which I think is Glenn, like Glenn Doyle. Doyle, yeah, yeah. I love that. Book. It's just like I just come back to. it. I wish I had something like more mystical. But Honestly, it's, it's just, more
0: powerful than like yeah. I would have. Like when I was reading Untamed, the amount of times I would say I can do hard things and then do it. Yeah, really helped.
1: <laughs> I was shocked. It's really practical. It is. It's like I use it all the time. Like I'm because hard hard thing is totally depends on the situation. If I've been like in like paralysis where I'm on my phone for three hours I can do hard things means getting up off the couch like seriously like you said turning on a song and like moving for five getting out of the house going on a walk or at the gym it's like lifting x amount of weight or like if I'm about to teach a group class and I'm nervous like I can do hard things like you know it's just like works in every situation and I use it with all my clients too and like it resonates with them so I think yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't, couldn't agree things. more. Yeah,
0: yeah. totally. Yeah. Well, I had so much fun with you today. And if anybody ever hears my dog Brooks in the background, we're going to try to edit it out. But he was, um,
1: he, was really excited he was a celebrity to be here
0: guest. <laughs> he just really wanted to be a part of it. So you might hear a couple barks and I apologize. Yeah. Callie, where could people connect with you?
1: Yeah, so um, people can connect with me on Instagram and TikTok at Callie Clue Yoga. Um and email yoga at gmail.com. My website is yoga.com. Just type in Kali Yoga. And and you'll find you. Find you cool. What about you, Katie? Where can people find you?
0: You can find me at uh, I wish I had like one salt. <laughs> yeah. We have Katie Neary with two Y's. Uh, that's just my personal page. And then my podcast page is at so she is underscore podcast. And then uh my silent disco page is at so we are underscore silent disco and that is where you could reach us the emails on that page so I won't even go through it and yeah I'm excited for this to launch and have done this so <laughs> yeah. thank you so much of for having course.
1: me and I just want to say too to anyone listening uh Katie's silent discos are amazing I've gone now probably like three or four times Mm -hmm. and they're really good and she makes me cry every time (laughs) the first time actually how we met was because I went to a silent disco and I was like I've wanted one for so long around here and I was so excited to see so I like booked my ticket and I thought it was just gonna be like dancing and then like at one point she was like all right we're gonna slow it down like pick up something off the ground and like What is this thing that's weighing on you? Like, what do you need to let go and like throw in the ocean? And I just started like sobbing and I was like, this bitch. (laughs) And I like And then we voice messaged, yeah. yeah. And then I messaged her on Instagram and was like, oh, like I literally said that. I like, I was so I I said, like, oh, yeah, like I was thinking, man, this bitch. And then I'm like, oh my God, like that's kind of a lot to say to someone you don't know. And I was like, oh no,
0: that's like my language. So then we became friends. (laughs)
1: so i would say if you're in orange county la and you have been looking for some kind of movement practice you are so good i say that every time every time i'm blown away I'm like, holy i shit.
0: i partnered with Callie one time and we're going to do that more this summer yeah but i would suggest her yoga because that is the only experience i had of it and i loved <laughs> so the it
1: best yoga you've ever and done and
0: it was on the beach and honestly i'm really excited to collab again and stay tuned for when we do one
1: Stay tuned. Thanks for listening.
0: All right. Listening. See you. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed today's episode, please send it to a friend. Tag us on Instagram at SoSheIsPodcast and leave a five-star review so we can help build, grow, and expand this podcast for anyone who it needs to reach. Thanks so much and we'll see you in the next episode.